we want better performances, we want more attack. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing to be shouting out. It made me really proud to be a Munster man. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the rugby channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette. We don't just play the game, we change it. Gillette, made of what matters. This is News Talk. Happy New Year, Joe. Are we still in the Happy New Year window? That's what I want to know. The old Larry David thing keeps coming back to haunt me. Whether or not on the 5th of July, of January, July, it's still okay to say Happy New Year. I think it is. 5th of July, no. 5th of January, 5th I think. Now. When we haven't seen yeah. each other in, uh, what, two weeks? I think it's it's okay, isn't it? Yeah. No. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Great could New Year. Not, what a wonderful start shave. to the new year. I know. I know. It's, uh, it's, it's joyous all around, isn't it? It's yeah. great. School's going back tomorrow. Teacher's thin on the ground. Nobody can stream Kerry Limerick tonight. It's great crack. I did see Owen Sheehan just tweeting his dismay this evening that the streaming issues with the Kerry game have ruined. I mean, he wants every minute of the Jack O'Connor era 2022 (laughs) and he's not getting it right now. Tommy Rooney joins us for a news round. Hello, Tommy. Good afternoon, chaps, and a happy new year to you both. Happy new year to you. Tommy, this came up last night in the show. What was your uh, Christmas binge? What were you watching on TV, movie? What's the big recommendation from the Rooney household? Well, I have a... uh, Two, I have a, something to admit here. I, I haven't watched the darts. I listened to Owen last night. I was probably yeah. his target audience. I did not watch the darts. Okay. I'm not sure if I'll make that mistake next Christmas because I also didn't follow Formula One this year until I started Drive to Survive over Christmas. <laughs> and now I'm absolutely on the bandwagon and I'm going to have all three seasons watched in advance of the, the new season. But my recommendation, Joe, is Matthew McConaughey's audiobook. Oh, I saw you tweeting about this, yeah. Oh, man. It is so good. Richie, I don't know if you've heard this one yet, but it is It is just so good. It's a quasi-self-help quasi book, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. I don't know how much help I'm getting out of it now, but it is bloody entertaining. Like It's it's McConaughey narrating his own story, journals he's been keeping for 35 years since he was, I think, 15 years old, but an incredible story. It's just made it all the better. I'm sure the book is amazing to read, hmm. but just hearing it in his voice is just so good. He's, it's, it's a brilliant yeah. listen. I do remember him doing quite a few interviews about it at the time. A big journaler, all right, from a young age. So I guess he's got mm. a very good record of things. And uh, I presume it's interesting, the whole reconnaissance. I mean, he could have kept, he could have kept knocking out those uh, romantic comedies for 15 million a pop before he said no. Absolutely. He 100% could have. But uh, yeah, the, the film Mud that he's in, he had actually built a treehouse that was 13 stories high one summer with wood that he robbed from a local uh, a local factory. So... There's all these mad stories. He was a real rogue when he was a kid. Yeah, well, I want you to know I would have kept making the rom-coms for 15 million a pop and gone for the easy life, Richie, just in case you're in any doubt. Uh, yeah, to have that option open to you, to be fair, <laughs> yeah. is quite uh, nice. Do you want to just make rom-coms? What was I thinking? There was um, a brilliant quote from Michael Caine, actually. It was somebody who was asking him why he was in the likes of Jaws 4 and, and Blaming on Rio and all these terrible movies, um, you know, in the 80s and stuff. And he just said, you know, money. He says that, that when I started making movies, I was able to to buy my mom a house. And now that I keep making movies, no matter what the quality, they're going to keep paying me. So I'm going to be able to get my mom a nicer house. I'm going to be able to put an extension on her house. Mm. And that's that's why I keep doing it. So, um, I, you know, you can kind of see why. He's going to keep taking easy paths. doesn't need another few million? There was a great mm-hmm. story which suddenly popped into my head there. Alan Rickman 
sadly passed away now. Great voice, great actor. And he was out for dinner with some crew or other and some movie. And it was a big crew and it was a nice restaurant. And he said, no, I'll get this. And they all insisted that. No, no, no. God, no, this actually will be too much money. You you know, we'll, we'll all throw in our amount. And he said, everyone, two words, Harry Potter. <laughs> and, uh, they said, OK, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Rickman was a good sort by all accounts. Yeah, seems God. like Randomly, uh, I heard a, a clip of Eamon de Valera, I think, on one of the radio stations. It's an archive clip over Christmas, lads. Mm-hmm. Rickman's accent of de Valera, I hadn't realised how good it was. It's so similar. They sound so similar in the... It's a Michael Collins, he plays Eamon de Valera, isn't it? But yeah, uh, yeah. it was a, a Christmas speech that de Valera gave back in the 60s, imploring the Irish people that if they want to um, see the successes and the fruits of the riches of other countries, we're just going to have to work a little bit harder next year. Just roll up your sleeves, Tommy. Uh, speaking mm-hmm. of next year, now this year, I suppose, uh, with the view to Emlyn Mulligan joining us this hour, one of the great players, you know, he unfortunately has not graced Crow Park as often as he would have if there was a transfer window. He's going to be with us. He's been away from Leitrim for a couple of years, but he was there at the Dome on Monday evening, as was your beloved Andy Moran. What is the story with Andy Moran and the football pod this year? Yay or nay? Well, I, I knew this question was coming. I, I don't know if you can ever disassociate Andy Moran from the football pod this year. Um, I'm not at liberty to give any more information other than that, other than big details about the football pod will be released in the next week to 10 days. Okay, so he is sticking around. Well, I, 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 I haven't committed either way there, Joe. You said you could but, never disassociate uh, him. No, because Andy Moran and that first year that we had with Paddy Andrews, I'm not sure that that six months that we had can ever be forgotten so we wait and see what happens with Andy I'm not sure okay I'm not sure if uh, we'll we'll see what happens he'll always be a founding member I guess yeah exactly but he looked he looked the part I don't know if you saw the the Adidas shoes the ankle socks the tracksuit yeah he looked the part on the sideline the last day I did uh, see him talking to Jonathan Higgins who was down there for us and he was saying he kept coming onto the pitch just out of sheer habit so the dome really did look amazing it looked yeah. very cool and the scoring was good, 121 to 117. I mean, you're not getting 121 to 117 in the mud and the rain, I think, if that game is outdoor. Very impressive facility. So curious to see what Emlyn Mulligan made of it to actually play in it. It cost $3 million to make. So $2.1 million came from the Rural Regeneration and Development Fund. 700000 came from Crow Park and then Connacht GA threw in 300000 And all of the FBD matches are going to be played at the Dome has a full-size indoor GA field this sounds like I'm doing an ad for the Dome the Dome have not sponsored yeah. all this by the way I was just quite taken with all this information over if they need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah looking for a Dome are you looking for a Dome there you go that's a pro uh, yeah. full-size indoor GA pitch running track fully equipped gym capable of accommodating 30 people at once presumably in post-COVID times uh, portable stand as well so they can get 2,000 people in for games. A lovely amount, I think, in for uh, an yeah. indoor game. And then within 72 hours, it can be transformed into a fully functional, this does sound like an ad now, adaptable conference arena, unique on the island of Ireland. So it can hold ten to 20,000 for concerts or events within uh, 72 hours. But 2,000 can attend games there. There's a yeah. portable stand. I mean, I would think every player in the country is itching for a go in that though. Oh, yeah. And if Garrett Brooks wants that another date. Yeah. There you go. Again, yeah. So I, I was just like, I mean, three million is a lot of money, but it's not an insurmountable amount of money. It's kind of cool to have seven, eight, nine, ten of these dotted around the country, Tommy. 
Absolutely. I, I saw Larry McCarthy was speaking to Jonathan as well, the GA president, and he, he said, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a facility like this in every province in the country? Yeah. Um, and then I saw a couple of people on Twitter, as as you'd happen, as you'd see, uh, saying a multi-sport facility like that. And maybe mm-hmm. that, that could sure. be the way to do yeah. it, you know? Um, but the facility looked absolutely amazing. I was kind of kicking myself I didn't make the trip up, just to even watch the game. Yeah. But um, the speed of the pitch, they all spoke about the players, and, and I heard Andy Moran talking about it too. There was a couple of people that pointed out that the goalposts look very similar to the the white background, that at a particular angles in the light, it may have been difficult to see certain posts, but something like that can be fixed very easily. There was other people saying that in the warm-up for the game that the, some of the players are trying to hit the roof and they got nowhere near it. Wow. Um, but I'm not sure what would happen if there was a Schlitter these days that mm. it, it may hit the roof or not. But um, but yeah, it looks absolutely incredible. Does, what a yeah. facility to have in amazing. Mayo. Yeah, because the IRFU one at Abbottstown looks amazing as well. I've never been out there, mm. but it looks like an incredible space. I, 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 similar to you, I, I was kicking myself. I, I, I should have went down. But the whole FBD competition is at this dome, so there is a chance yet to get down. So I'll ask Emily yeah. Mulligan about the posts. I guess what, we paint, yeah. the, paint the post black? Yeah, ask him for that. I think, I think Mayo, or even the background, you put a great background or something, but I think Mayo Galway is this Friday or Saturday, Richie might know. But, um, right, nice. But yeah, so there's going to be some good games there. Excellent. Okay. Well, Emmeline Mulligan this hour, Keith Wood, Fiona Hayes after eight o'clock. They are deeply unimpressed with Munster. And if you saw us play this out on our live streams earlier on, you will not be unaware that Keith Wood uh, really thinks a fairly sizable and immediate change needs to be made to the Munster coaching ticket. So more of that on the way. We should start the news round, though. Get your text in 53106, please, or you'll get us at off the ball as well. The news round is brought to you by Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. Richie, the World Cup 2030 bid, it would seem, is no more. Yeah, it looks to be so. Ireland, of course, involved in this bid to host the Centenary World Cup 100 years on from the first edition in Uruguay. It's believed those behind the bid fear that FIFA will look to bring the tournament to another new territory. You may remember that late last year, Gianni Infantino floated the idea of staging the World Cup in the Middle East in 2030. Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland are instead likely to launch a bid to host the 2028 European Championships with that tournament looked to be expanded to 32 teams from 24. Yes, this was always coming. Even mid last year, there were reports that Ireland's chances, well, this uh, joint bid, the chances of this 2030 bid were very, 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 very slim. However, a bid for 2028 euros has a great chance. So the likelihood of 2028 is significant. So uh, I guess that's only, what, six years away? Maybe Ireland will be there. Munster, meanwhile, have released a statement, a bunch of new contracts signed, I think, six players in all, including a few high-profile ones, Rich. Yeah, indeed. Joey Carberry is among a number of Munster players who have signed new two-year deals with the province. Fellow Ireland internationals Chris Farrell and Jean Klein have also agreed to stay with the province until at least the summer of 2024. Joining them are Liam Coombs, Jack O'Sullivan and the academy player Alex Kendellan. Tommy, I know you caught a bit of Keith Wood and Fiona Hayes earlier on. They were both absolutely... Oh, I don't don't use the wrong word. Uh, Not impressed. Let's just go not impressed Mm. with Munster against Connacht and a little bit unsure about where it's all going this season. And Keith in particular feels, well, maybe it's time to make a change. Maybe given that Van Gran is going at the end of the season anyway and that the style of rugby is unlikely to succeed or to change, that maybe one of the options they could look at is saying to Van Gran, thank you very much. We're going to leave it here with immediate effect and turn to Stephen Larkham and say, right, 
let's see what you can do. Have a bit of a go, have a bit of a cut until the end of the season. And it's very rare for Keith to ever, I, I guess, call for a head in a sense, which is what he's done. But uh, certainly there's an air of almost inevitability about Munster not amounting to much this season. That's the feeling at the moment. Mm. I guess I've, I've asked this question as well. Like, who did it serve for the Van Grand news to break that he was going to be leaving at the end of the year? It clearly served Bath to get that out there. They were, they were getting this coach in the following year and they could put their plans in place so they can probably sign players or look to make plans for what they're going to do when Van Grand comes in. I'd say for Munster for the next six months, unless they make an announcement or there's decisions made at the top, they're in a bit of limbo unless they mm. put into action what Keith Wood is suggesting here. So I'd say there'll be a lot of people fully behind what Keith Wood is saying. It's funny how what Munster's last month have been like, like the Wasps game when they had all those young academy players coming through and they put in that brilliant performance and they, they got that win that looked so good on paper. And then to go into those couple of weeks there over Christmas where the Connacht defeat just, they just did not perform at all. It was really poor stuff. Yeah. Um, and now they're going into such a busy two weeks. They're, why not do what Keith's suggestion? I, I I don't know. I'm not sure what you think. Well, it's hard to have any great faith that Munster are going to change their approach under Van Gran. And it's hard to have any faith that that approach is going to yield much towards the end of the season because we've just seen Munster try this approach for several years now and it never ends well. So there's that. On the other hand... There's so much mitigation. Munster have played three games since October and mm. they've been decimated by what happened in South Africa. They've probably had next to no time together on the training field, no time to try and implement any improvements in the game plan. I, I would suspect there are days where they're turning up and not sure who's going to be a close contact of who. And so I'd say it's been all over the place at the moment. So it's not shocking that they would turn out a very, very, very average performance. And, and you know, that's part of the story as well. You have to be fair here. But uh, yeah, there's been not enough over the last couple of years to suggest that what they're currently doing is going to work. So uh, there's a real I mean, akin to Manchester United in a way of almost wait, yeah. waiting for next season to come, which is not a great spot. Well, that's there could be. I mean, look, they play Ulster on Saturday. They're all going well. That game subject to confirmation and everything going on, in particularly the Ulster squad at the moment. But if they were to have a very, very poor performance again against Ulster, given all the pressure this week, then who knows what can happen, you know? Mm. Just, just thinking in terms of the players, though, it's it's probably it's probably a difficult position to be in if you're if you're not in that front, the 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 main group of players, you're in the kind of background. Who are you trying to impress? Who are you trying to to get a bit of form with? Like Van Gra- I don't know whether there's an element of, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but like in certain clubs or in, in other places, like would there be a, an element of checking out a little bit? Um, can you? Can you guard against that in any way over the next six months? Is that going to happen? Like, we know that careers are short enough anyways. Like, I'm not sure any player wants to wait six months playing for a manager who's not going to be there the following year. Mm. It's very hard to know. I guess it depends on the individual's professionalism, doesn't it? And you would like to think they would want to play for themselves and careers are short. So I couldn't imagine any great downing of tools. I mean, maybe to some extent it weakens the manager because it weakens every lame duck manager who's on the way out. It's just human nature. It's very hard to know. It's very hard to know. I mean, certainly if they're not believing in what he's advocating, then things could get a bit sketchy, all right, given that he's on the way out the door. It's it's not an ideal situation at all. Munster headed for, what, a 10th, sorry, a fifth head coach in 10 years, you know? Yeah. It's just not the way to do it. Anyway, that's all on the way after 8 o'clock. Carabao Cup action this evening then, Rich, although we won't get the second semi-final. 
Yeah, we won tomorrow night anyway. The EFL say they reluctantly postpone tomorrow night's Carabao Cup semi-final first leg meeting of Arsenal and Liverpool. It follows a COVID outbreak at Liverpool coupled with injuries which has forced the closure of their Kirby training base. The order of the two legs of that tie has now been switched with Anfield hosting the first leg on Thursday next with the second leg at the Emirates seven days later. Tonight's first leg does go ahead. Chelsea welcoming Tottenham to Stamford Bridge. Chelsea have Romelu Lukaku back in their starting 11. Kepa Aris Balaga is in goal for them. Cesar Azpilicueta, Antonio Rudiger, Malang Sarr and Marcus Alonso are their back four. In midfield, the trio of Jorginho and Sal Niguez and Mason Mount. And Lukaku is flanked by Hakim Ziyech and Kai Havertz. For Spurs, Hugo Lloris starts in goal. It then looks like they have a back five of Emerson Royale, Jaffa Tanganga, Davinson Sanchez, Ben Davies, and at left wing back Matt Doherty. Pierre Emil Hoiberg and Oliver Skip are in midfield with Lucas Moura and Hyungman Son in support of Harry Kane up top. Kickoff is at 7.45. We'll keep you updated. Dominic Fifield on the football show talking Conte, Spurs, Chelsea as well. Text in saying, what about a year till Sunday style documentary with Andy Moran and Leitrim? Surely Tommy can sort that. Brian, Carrick and Shannon. Great suggestion. Great suggestion. What an idea. Unbelievable idea. And you've missed the Dome game. You've already missed the FBD League. Yeah. You want to get your act together. Me as well. Yeah. What a great idea. I'm not going to lie. Something like that did cross my mind. But I had other things to worry about. Andy Uh, Moran said, absolutely not. That's what actually happened. You probably would have. You're not coming anywhere near us. No. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Uh, Maybe next year when Proposal B comes through, you know, and there's a proper season to get stuck into. It is um, a great pity we don't get a few more of those a year till Sunday documentaries. I think there is oh. just a degree whereby GA inter-county teams are still very much, I know, just keeping the head down kind of approach to the media at large because they're great. I think they're generally good for the team unless something's really falling down around their ankles yeah. very, very badly. And there's any number of people who might be interested. I mean, it wouldn't be beyond the bounds. OK, there's... The, and uh, the, there's Irish production companies. There's Tommy sure. Rooney Inc. amongst others. But then I would think, for instance, you could make a proposal to Netflix, who do a whole bunch of these behind-the-scenes documentaries, and say this one's really unique because uh, you know our crowd play in front of packed-out stadiums, but they're all amateurs as well. So you get low, you get richer stories. They're not just it's not just them in training every day. There's a whole lot more going on. You could pick out four or five uh, players who have interesting lives away from the pitch, and then watch it all blossom across the summer. I think Netflix might be interested in something like that, Tommy. I I think so, Joe, and I think you're going to have to be in the room when we're making that pitch. The, I, the I sold it quite well the, there, didn't I? If I do, you say really so. did, and you, I, 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 <laughs> yeah, you really did. The one thing about a year to Sunday was Pat Comer was obviously um, goalkeeper on the Galway squad. Yes, yeah, so they had their so in. They had their in, and he was, he was in there. You know, you're and, you're in with Andy. Is what I'm saying. Indeed. You need to leverage this. Yeah. Relationship. Look, I hate to break it to you. In six months' time, if things go well with Leitrim, he's going to block your number. That's just Probably. how it's going. That's just how it's going to go. Yeah, no, I, I probably will, and I'll be left them with Paddy. So, uh, yeah, that's that'll that'll be the issue. But uh, from a year till Sunday, that that may not have happened. That documentary, if they had been beaten in that dramatic Connacht semi-final, they had an unbelievable Connacht campaign that year. I don't know, Joe. I've watched the year till Sunday five times, and I think that's the problem that we're getting at here. There isn't enough GA documentaries. No, not of those kind. There was a, there was a pretty good dubs one, you know, when Pillar Caffrey was there. Have you seen that one? No, I don't think I have. Yeah, there's a there's a very, in fairness, really good access behind the scenes. Kieran Whelan's there. Pillar's the manager. I'm trying to think which year is it that they. they I mean, obviously they're they're pushing. Alan Brogan features a lot. Sherlock is still there, I think. Yeah, he is very much there. It's very good. They you know shots him sure. getting into the ice baths and all this kind of stuff. Lots of great speeches. Someone will text in the name of it. Some Dubs fan will know. But it was on it was on TV 
in the last year and was held up pretty well. Obviously, Galway win the All Ireland, so that's kind of hard to beat. Uh, before we run out of time, Richie, yep. I'm just watching Twitter erupt with glee as yep. Novak Djokovic is last I've seen locked in a room with two guards outside. What's going on here? Uh, yeah, according to his dad, anyway, he's being held captive. Uh, for those who haven't heard, world number one Novak Djokovic has been questioned early into the Australian morning at Victoria's Tullamarine Airport. Border Force officials have been examining whether the Serb's medical exemption is adequate to allow him to enter the country ahead of the Australian Open. Adding to the complications, it's believed his team applied for the wrong type of visa to allow him entry. Djokovic has been unwilling, of course, to publicise his vaccine status. Uh, in a statement to Sputnik Serbia, uh, Strijan Djokovic, his father, said, I've no idea what's going on. They're holding my son captive for five hours. This is a fight for the libertarian world. This is not just a fight for Novak, but a fight for the whole world. If they don't let him go in half an hour, we will gather on the street. This is a fight for everyone. Uh, Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison though, says the Serb will receive no special treatment. Any individual seeking to enter Australia must comply with our border requirements. Now, Novak Djokovic, when he arrives in Australia, he has to, because if he's not vaccinated, he must provide acceptable proof that he cannot be vaccinated for medical reasons um, and to be able to access the same travel arrangements as fully vaccinated travellers. So we await his presentation and what evidence he provides to support that. If that evidence is insufficient, then he won't be treated any different to anyone else and he'll be on the next plane home. Oh, this is delicious. It's nice, isn't it? It's satisfying. <laughs> it's like... It's like I was, you know, people kind of worry about going back to work and that, you know, it's all bad news and that the new year is off to a bad start. And then you see this to Novak Djokovic and you're just like, oh, thank God. Like just the idea of it. I, I hope whatever about a year till Sunday or Dubs documentaries, there are several like Border for- Force Australia, uh, you oh, know, live yeah, yeah. or not live, but um, reality shows. I yes. hope to God he signed a release to turn up on one in the next year because that will just make my millennium. Just seeing him being quizzed saying, it says here you've uh, had COVID in the last six months. Can you uh, provide proof of that? And suddenly he uh, he clams up. But you, um, you have, yeah, it, you, you have permission, uh, should it happen, to dial back into the show with breaking news if they do take to the streets <laughs> in Belgrade. Uh, yeah, they have done in the past for loftier reasons. I'm not sure Novak Djokovic not getting into Australia will be uh, will be worthy enough of that. Oh. But it's uh, it's an interesting stance from his dad. I'll say that much. Yeah, it sure is. I've never quite get into those airport control, border control shows. Bloody will now. Well, there's a Novak Djokovic edition. I'll obviously watch and, that one. And, and Goran Ivanisevic, by the way. Apparently, the word is Djokovic hasn't been allowed access to his phone. Right. Um, but wherever Goran and his uh, trainer, I think it's his dietitian or his trainer, they're posted in another room and Goran has been posting uh, photos, or at least one anyway, on his Instagram in the past while, uh, just waiting, bored, uh, nothing going on, trying to read the caption of this one. Uh, not the most usual trip down under, uh, shocked face, shrug face, mind blown face right. in terms of his emoji use. Right. Um, while he's there with uh, two individuals in the background, one of them is the physio Ulysses Badillo. Uh, the third individual there isn't uh, isn't uh, identified, um, but it's God. It's a story, isn't it? It's yeah. Brilliant. I mean, I'm not sure when his father tweeted, but it's currently twenty five it past six yeah. in the morning in Sydney. So uh, presumably he's been in that room for the last number of hours. So he's basically been up all night sitting in this room. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. and they want they'll want proof of because they're really hard ass. Obviously, anybody who's seen these shows knows this. But in terms of COVID nineteen and their regulations and the protocols down there, they're obviously extremely strict. And this is why it's been put up to them. Uh, there's a couple of reasons that the visa that they applied for for them to get into the state and into the country wasn't the the proper ones. So that's one issue. Yeah. The other is the medical exemption, which obviously is, is the grounds on which he's being uh, supposedly uh, allowed travel to Australia. The belief is that his reason for him not having a vac- vaccination is that he had COVID in the last six months. Right. But if he had COVID in the last six months, that means it was more than likely the original strain or it was Delta. And it's been shown that obviously you can get Omicron uh, within the six months of being um, uh, dosed up with the uh, with the other variants. So I don't know if he has much of a leg to stand on in terms of think, in terms yeah, of getting in. I think, I think it would get him in. I don't think if it com- comes down to strain. So if he did have it in the last six months, that would explain his exemption but we'll see i mean to be fair we shouldn't really be speculating on one individual's uh, situation but obviously he's brought some of the speculation on himself anyway we'll continue another time richie mccormick thank you nice and lads tommy rooney get that netflix pitch ready and i'll uh, i'll talk yes. to you later all right later, Joe. thanks very thanks. much cheers Bye-bye. the news round on off the ball with gillette we don't just play the game we change it gillette made of what matters